Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. Cutback podcast time. Welcome to the show. New subscriber to start. Wow. Wow. Thank you and welcome. Uh, lab baby door. The baby door. I'm not. I'm not sure what it was, but it was glorious. Thank you for joining. Welcome to the TCC. And there you uh, go. Ant, we got a interesting episode today, don't we? We got some got some draft gems on the defensive side of the football to talk about. Yeah, draft gems on the defensive side of the football, and there's a lot of interesting names all throughout this draft. And, you know, John Lynch kind of mentioned that in his presser today about this being a very deep draft. He didn't feel like it was top-heavy. And that picking where they were picking, um, it's going to be different than what they're used to, waiting until 61. Uh, but he felt that they could get a lot of good players. And he even mentioned the possibility of trading back from 61. Uh, so I thought that was something interesting. Maybe they were going to, you know, be able to pick up some players. But, Alex, the mention of how many players they have under contract with is just over 75 meaning they don't really have the roster spots for that many players. So it, you can't go into the draft and draft much more than the draft picks they already have. Uh, no, you, you really can't. You can't do a whole lot of that. You're, you're kind of handicapped and handcuffed in terms of how much room and how much flexibility. Um, you know, he did talk about that. He didn't talk about a whole lot of other things uh, and a shocking development. So everyone is just going to be waiting on pins and needles to find out what's going on and what's happening happening there. And it was Labby Door. So Labby Door. Oh, nice. There we go. Welcome to the TCC. Uh, I'm seeing Freddie Mac try saying Jermaine Johnson after the Debo trade. Look, 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 look. We're talking. We're gonna talk about draft gems. Yeah. We're talking about guys you're gonna get late in this draft and uh, pick 150 and beyond, and potentially undrafted free agent targets. That's what we're gonna stick to tonight. 
yeah, I mean, if you have stuff you want to talk about later, we can we can do a a Q and A a little bit afterwards. We're not going to get too much into that, but um, we're going to talk about these players. There's a lot of good ones, Alex. And the first one I'm gonna I'm gonna start out with is a guy with an extreme amount of athleticism from the linebacker position or edge rush position, depending on how you view him. And that's Amari Barno, uh, six foot four, two hundred thirty seven pounds from Virginia Tech. But a guy that ran a 4-3 at that size, 6'4", 237, can run a 4-3, which means he can play anywhere you want him to play at the linebacker position off the edge as an edge rusher. Uh, he's an explosive athlete with elite speed. Um, he's a, a developing pass rusher. So if you're looking at him as an edge guy right now, he would need to be a situational pass rusher that could eventually develop into a, a three-down guy. And then he could play in the 4-3 as an outside linebacker. I mean, he's it's not like he's out of the question to be able to play you know, the outside linebacker role for the 49ers. So he's somebody that's interesting. The questions for him are strength, and that's mainly when it comes to the edge rushing portion of the game, and then setting the edge in that area as well. That's something that he's got to work on. He's got a little bit more of a slight frame with the 237 pounds, but he'd be a big linebacker as an outside linebacker uh, that could possibly come in and be an eventual replacement for either Aziz Alshire or Drake Greenlaw. He'd have to develop a little bit more in the run fits, like he'd be a developmental guy. But the 49ers have shown before, they'll take a safety and move him to linebacker. Why wouldn't they take a potential edge rush prospect with that kind of speed and move him to linebacker? Look, this is a solid first place to start Ant, for this because Amari Barno does have a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of potential there. Um, it's actually oozing off of him on film. You can see it. The problem right now for a lot of teams is just where do you put him, right? It's just he can, he can do so many things. There's yeah. so many options. Where do you begin, right? It's, it's almost overwhelming as a coaching staff because of how you can fit him in. Now, luckily for the San Francisco 49ers, um, they thrive with this kind of thing. Like these types of players with this type of skill set that can do these types of things. Um, makes sense in San Francisco. They have an idea of how to utilize guys with versatile skill sets who can do a lot of different things, who show the explosiveness as an edge rusher that also show some some ability to be able to play in a linebacker spot and run fit into the box and have the athleticism make you believe that this guy maybe could be someone who can go out and cover in space. So that provides options and opportunities. And when options and opportunities present themselves, then D'Amico Ryans and this coaching staff and the 49ers feel like they have something on their hands that no one else is going to be able to to replicate or duplicate, which is for versatility, flexibility, and a variety of different ways to go about handling it. So Mario Bono, man, is solid. It's a solid name. It's a great place to start with this because this is a guy who's going to be super late in this draft despite the fact that he has incredible skill sets and a very high ceiling. Yeah, you got to love those traits that he has. I mean, the speed at that size, um, there's not very many people walking you know, this earth that can do the things that he can do as, as far as running and being able to move athletically. I think anytime you can have an opportunity to add that player and then develop them, I mean, you have potential to add him anywhere. And there's going to be somebody else we talk about um, later on that can do similar things. I mean, this is literally one of those guys that if you decided he was going to be a safety, he could develop into a safety. If you said he was going to be a linebacker, he could do that. Or if he's a edge rusher, he can do that. So there's just so much versatility there that you would be able to create your own position for this guy. And I think anytime you can add a player late that has those traits, that's their opportunity to make the team an opportunity to make an impact on your team. You are correct there, sir. Uh, you are correct there. Uh, look, the next guy I'm going to go to is actually a name that actually might be familiar for, for TCC people. I don't know about 49ers fans uh, in general, Ant, but for the TCC, for the cutback crew, this is a name that we have brought up and have talked about. And the only reason I want to bring this up and talk about it is because 49ers have already met with said player. And this is a guy who's going late in drafts. And that's Sam Webb, the cornerback prospect out of Missouri Western State, who's big but may be a guy that is looking to translate potentially at the safety position and can do some things there. The Niners have met with him, so there's definitely interest there. After watching the film, there's 
there's definitely something. I, I understand what they see, size, speed, the certain things that he does on the football right. field. They feel could translate into their system. Now, is this the most likely of all of the names, I think, to be the the, the diamond in the rough immediately? No. But could this be a guy that they believe could be a gem or a diamond in the rough in a few years? You just need some polish and some shine, and possibly. That's why they've already talked to him. That's why they've already looked at him. And I understand, based on the film and what I've seen of a guy like Sam Webb, why the Niners have taken a look at it, or at least intrigued. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he started at San Jose State, so they've you know had him in the Bay Area and got a good look at him. He was at their pro day as well, True. Um, the local pro day. So they got to see him work out. And anytime you're talking about a six foot corner, six foot two corner at this point in what the 49ers do, you're thinking about a guy that's a transition possibly to a safety because um, this is a late round guy that is not going to come in and be able to start as a cornerback, but could potentially develop into a safety. And we're seeing the 49ers move players from positions. They go ahead and either grab somebody that's a safety and then they move them to linebacker or now they're draft, you know, potentially going to get corners, whether they draft them or sign them as undrafted free agents and move them to safety because you get that elite skill set that you need because you want your safeties to be able to cover. The best way to get guys that can cover is have the frame to be able to handle the extra weight to play safety all the while being able to have the coverage skills you need, you know, to go up and cover a tight end in the slot. As these tight ends get more athletic and are used more in the passing game, you're going to need more athletic safeties to be able to cover them. The days of the box safety are probably going away. Um, you need guys that are more flexible and being able to go up and cover in nickel and dime situations. And I think that's what the four years are looking for. So they're kind of scratching the surface on some of these guys. And that's why we've talked about a guy like Tariq Woolen. Uh, and this isn't an episode for him, but that's why we've talked about him changing positions. True. A potential corner, but with the size, uh, could be a nice safety for someone in the league. Uh, you are not wrong there, my guy. That, that is accurate. Um, and it's exciting. It's exciting to know that there's these prospects and these guys that exist out there in space that the 49ers are definitely going to be looking at and could do some some different things. Who's the next guy on your list that you're looking at in terms of well, just, just gem in general, whether that's a few years from now and needs some polish and some shine or whether that's a guy that could potentially step in day one and maybe shock the world. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tyreek Smith, another edge rusher, mm. 6'3", 255 pounds out of Ohio State, a five-star recruit coming out of high school into college. He's got... You know, a lot of athletic ability. Um, he's also got very good bend, good hands, and good awareness. Those are all things that show up on film. He's a guy that when he's right, he's getting after it in a big way. But when he's not right, he doesn't look the same. We know that he battled COVID a little bit, and that hurt his production this last year. But he's definitely a guy that's falling in that fourth to fifth round range, but has the potential, that five-star potential that you saw coming out of high school, in the way that he moves, and the way he bends, and the way he pass rushes, that you could still you know, get this guy. Now, what I do like is the size, too, 6'3", 255, a guy that would be able to set the edge um, and be able to play all three downs. This isn't a situational pass rusher like we talked about with Amari Barno and we'll talk about with the other guys. This is a guy that would be able to do it all three downs. You put him in the 49er system, opposite of Nick Bosa, where he's able to develop under Chris Kasarek and Daryl Tapp for a couple of years. This guy could be an absolute steal and a gem. Uh, we could be talking about him the same as we talk about some of the other guys that are rotational pieces right now. Yeah, you, you definitely you definitely could be. And uh, that's a that's a, another solid name. Uh, Tyreek Smith is a guy that um, can't can't understand why he's going as late as he is, but he is. Um, maybe it's elite speed that people are looking at. Maybe it's the lack of consistent production. But when you watch the tape, the tape does not lie with right. this guy. So maybe the numbers aren't where it's supposed to be. But that also could just be a product of the system, what he's being asked to do, what his role is in said system, and also what's around him. Right. Um, you know, there, there may not be the pieces around him that are helping him elevate to the level that he needs to. Um, and maybe San Francisco in this D-line and, and Kasarik and Tap, maybe that's exactly what he needs to unlock what that full potential is and, and what he could 
eventually turn into or, or, or mold into um, in the league and in the NFL. So I'm excited about Tyreek Smith because of what you can get him and what he can do and those types of things. Um, I think his his upside is is gigantic. It's huge. Um, the, the hands are extremely active as well. Um, and, and the different types of moves and skill sets that he already possesses as an edge rusher, let's get him in with someone who can hone those things in, uh, help him work on uh, certain things, and maybe just set him free. Because we have seen guys in this league and coming in, in out of college and who get to the NFL, struggle, they get to San Francisco, and they get in the system with Kaserik, Right. And he basically takes the reins off and unleashes them, and we get to see maybe closer what their full potential could be. Maybe this is a situation that that a guy like uh, Tyreek Smith needs. Maybe this is exactly what he needs. Yeah, and I think if you're going to take a shot on you know a shot in the dark on somebody, this is the kind of guy you want. Somebody that has the elite upside. Now, Freddie MacDre brought up, what do you think of Jordan Burney as a co- convert to linebacker? Alex, I don't know. Have you heard of Jordan Burney? I have heard of Jordan Burney, but I have not watched uh, a lot of film on Jordan Burney. But I do know measurables, Ant. Yeah, six two two zero five. Yeah, and I looked him <laughs> up because I I saw that come up in chat. From Westchester University. Who the frick is looking at film of Westchester University? Good job, by the way. I mean, if you can throw guys Freddy out Mac. there that we don't know. And you know what's going to happen now? Tonight, gonna I'm going to be watching Jordan Burney film. So thanks for that. <laughs> 62205. Um, if you want to know his high school, he went to Bishop Egan. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, this is something I'm going to have to look into. So Jordan Burney potentially um, could be a draft gym. We're going to have to look at him. So well done, Freddie Mac Dre. Uh, absolutely glorious. Freddie yeah. Mac Dre. Freddie Mac Dre <laughs> with the name drop of name drops and uh, my goodness gracious. Oh, my. I, I actually Googled it just to see if it was a real player. I, I, I Googled <laughs> it. And when it came up, I was like, how do you know? First off, how do you know? Are you like Freddie Mac Dre? The question is, right. Are you the lone West what what is the school? What's the school? Westchester. Westchester University. You a big fan of the Westchester maybe U it, football program? Maybe alma mater. Maybe if that's his alma mater, then you know what? Then I just tip my hat. Yeah, right. right. I just I just tip my hat because other than Elijah Dotson out of Sac State, that's the only guy that I know that's coming out this year that's sniffing anywhere near the draft pool of Sac State football players. Yeah, and the only reason I know that is because my buddy who still currently goes to Sac State. Was telling me how great he was, and I was like, "Well, I guess, I guess I'll watch some film and, and take a look, see in a gander." In a gander well, guess. what's weird is I actually did watch a lot of Sac State film, especially during COVID. Yep. Or after COVID was over, you know, they had like the games on TV. Yep. And I watched them because the Folsom coaches are there, the former yep. Folsom High School coaches, uh, Richardson and them that we know. Uh, we've had some contact with them, so I watched them. Now Frank is bringing up Nick Cross. Now, I Frank, He's we like go Nick him. Cross. He won't be a gem for the mention that it's got to be fourth round on. And yeah. I don't think that he's going to go in the fourth round. I fully expect Nick Cross to go late second, early third. Uh, fair. And that's that's kind of what I'm thinking as well on this. Um, I would be shocked if he gets any later than the third round, to be honest, in terms of his skill set and what he already does. So here's one for you, Ant, because not too long ago, mm-hmm. actually quite some time ago, this guy was easily on my gems list. Um, recently, PFF has updated their mock draft. And Alex Wright went from a guy who was going undrafted in most cases and was ranked like, I think, 350 or something like that to in the top 83 in the rankings. A little bit closer to where, or I mean, maybe still a little high because I think he's a developmental prospect. But I love everything else about him other than the fact that he's not completely polished. Is this a gem, in your opinion? Do you uh, think he'll go as high as 83, or do you think this is a guy who's still going to fall in that 150 later range? I think this guy's a fourth-round guy. I mean, okay. I, 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 Jordan Smith was his teammate last year. Agreed. Jordan Smith is a better prospect than Alex Wright Agreed. as far as I thought he was farther along. The elite athletic ability, 
Um, so I'm going to say Alex Wright is still in that range, but I can understand why people would move him up boards. The elite length, the elite ability, um, he's going to he's gonna potentially de develop into that, but he's got a long way to go. He's definitely a developmental piece and not somebody that you're expecting to make an impact you know, in the first year of him being in the NFL. So I, I think that I understand what you're saying, and I would kind of rate him more as a draft gem potential uh, than I would a top 85 talent in this draft. Fair. That's kind of where I'm at with this because the size and speed and everything else that he does reminds us of another, another similar process, uh, ironically, and out of UAB last year as well. So similar measurable, similar things across the board. Uh, but but this current gentleman here, I, I don't think he had necessarily the level of production on film that said gentleman last year that I'm referring to from UAB uh, also did. So I, I think there's definitely a, a gap there in terms of production level from, from the two gentlemen. Uh, but I think I think this is a it's an intriguing prospect. The length, the speed at which he plays, um, the flexibility he has at his size at six foot seven. Um, it has all the makings of something special uh, that you can get late in you know, if everything clicks and works out the way it's supposed to, then holy crap, you know, you're, you're sitting on a gold mine there of possibilities in terms of what he could turn into and what he could be and the dominance of which he could play. Um, and, and I think I, that's the problem though, right? With all of those things said that he could go earlier than, than anticipated and someone could take a shot and reach earlier if they think that they could turn him into something special. Um, but it's definitely a name to watch. And, and I agree with you. I, I think this is more towards him being closer to a gem prospect and going later in this draft than going in the top 100 yeah i think so i think he's a nice prospect but he's definitely got to learn how to play you know edge rusher a little bit better i'm sure he's sure he's gonna have some development during this offseason uh, but he's gonna need even more if he's gonna be one of these you know good big time edge rushers especially with the fact that he's six seven and he plays like he's six seven sure. uh, he's got to play a lot lower if you're going to be playing you know edge rush in the in the nfl or somebody like trent williams is going to get up underneath you and and put you in the ground uh and six seven on the ground is uh not very, not very impressive. So, That's the opposite. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm going to go to another edge rusher. Okay. Um, and that's um, James Houston. Yeah. Six foot one, 240 pounds out of Jackson State. Now, there's a conversation is this guy an outside linebacker? Is this guy an edge rusher? I see him as an edge rusher. I think he's built for the 3 4 defense, but I have seen the 49ers take guys built for the 3 4 defense, D Ford, Samson Ebucom, and plug them into their 4 3 wide nine style put their hand in the ground and let them rush the passer. I think James Houston could be one of those late round guys. Nothing about him, about size and measurable screams, special edge rusher. 6'1", 240, doesn't scream that. But when you watch the film, it's impressive. He's got good. He's got a really good pass rusher. He sets the edge against the run, and then he has that versatility to be able to do a lot of different things. Not just edge rush. He could drop in zone coverage. So if you have any sort of, you know, a zone uh, blitz scheme, he's going to be involved in that. He can also play outside linebacker if you want him to. Uh, so this is a guy that late in the draft, potentially I've seen this guy going late five, early six. Um, that would be a nice value for the 49ers. And we know how they've struck on guys in the fifth round. That they have, uh, that that they have. I will stick with a guy who played edge rusher as well. Um, look at this, hitting all of our edge prospects. Right oh, you got to. Uh, I'll stick with an edge rusher as well, Ant, uh, out of the University of Florida and Zach Carter, who is sitting sitting in spots right I'm now shocked. where he's, he's going, you know, 190, 200, yeah. 170, somewhere in there. Um, that is one of my favorite prospects. Now, I think that a lot of that is because he's in that tweener mold, right? And teams, maybe you're looking at him as an edge rusher and concerned about size and speed and, and his ability to consistently play at a high level on the edge. But you and I both believe this is a guy we broke down in the interior D-line that will actually translate better on the inside than the outside. In fact, his best snaps at the college level, especially this past season in 2021, were from the interior spot when they slid him in to a five tech. They slid him in a couple of times on pass rushing downs into a three techniques sort of position. 
and he was able to have success at the University of Florida getting after the quarterback, ripping through and stopping runs and being a, a force there on the interior. Um, I think this is a guy that that skill set might not be something that NFL teams necessarily know what to do with yet. There are definitely teams that do. There are definitely teams that do, and the Niners are definitely a team that know how to take a guy who's a traditional edge rusher and move him in on the interior and have some success doing those types of things. Um, just the question will be, where do you want to make that selection? Because the Niners, you don't, you, you, you got a deep D line. You truly do. You don't necessarily need it. I mean, the, the only area right now that feels like help is needed or would be most beneficial would be opposite of Nick Bosa, not so much opposite of Eric Armstead. You have a lot of names and a lot of guys who do a lot of great things already in this group. So it makes it very hard. But what Zachary Carter has already shown, the, the skill set he already has, the, the, the power which he plays and the active hands. I do like a lot of the things that he already does on film. I am biased because I'm a University of Florida fan and he was like the only positive thing from the team this past season. There were others, Kyrie Elam, no no disrespect, um, but Kyrie Elam's nowhere near where we're going to be able to take Kyrie Elam. So this is an intriguing prospect. I would love for it to happen. I really would love for it to happen. I don't know if that'll be the case. Well, I mean, where he would potentially get drafted in the four, drafted in the fourth or fifth round, your argument is not so much that he's going to play opposite of Eric Armstead, but behind Eric Armstead. And if you feel like Maurice Hurst and you know and and Kevin Givens and those guys are the rotation that you want, you're moving Kinlaw to the over to the one tech. So you got him, you got Ridgeway there. Um, potentially, you're you're going to have a a spot open there. You could go with a defensive lineman. There's a lot of good interior defensive linemen. But a guy that could come in as a situational pass rusher, it seems like the 49ers are just continuing to load up on those. If they feel like he could be better than one of the guys they currently have, uh, they will do that because strength encourage, and strengthening strength is something that they like to do. Um, so I think the 49ers could definitely do that. I like Zach Carter. He was one of my star players. Uh, he's, he's a very good player that can play on the outside. He can play on the inside. So there's a lot of versatility there. So if they decided in the fifth round to go with the interior defense alignment, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Uh, and I think it would make a lot of sense. Another area that they could go, Alex, is nickel corner. And one of those nickel corners that I like is Jack Jones out of Arizona mm-hmm. State, five foot ten, 171 pounds, a little bit smaller, uh, but kind of like that Marcus Jones type build. But he's he's a really good slot. He's got good hips. He's able to match coverages with you know match uh, routes with a lot of guys. Um, I liked him a lot, and he right now he's getting mocked into late sixth, early seventh round. I think potentially this guy could be one of your comp picks where you draft a nickel corner early, but you take Jack Jones to see what he could potentially turn into uh, because he's one of those guys that he likes to battle. He competes, and he played for Herm Edwards, so he understands defensive techniques the same way that John Lynch would. So I, I'm sure he would naturally you know, mag, mag, uh, be like a magnet to him. So I think Jack Jones is someone that the Niners could be interested in. You're not wrong. Uh, he, he could be a guy that they're interested in, and his film is very nice. The, what he was able to do there on the interior at times – uh, in, in that nickel role, and even just in the quarterback room for Arizona State, there were some positive things there. I, I really did like a lot of what I saw out of him, and um, in all honesty, was kind of confused how he was going to be falling as late as he was, because I thought there was enough there on film that a team would probably take a chance in the fourth or fifth round, but it may be an even later option uh, for someone like him. If a team is just taking a flyer, or, or, or they see guys with maybe more elite traits or skill sets than a, than a Jack Jones, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, but speaking of that nickel corner slot, Ant, I mean, we got to go to our boy. We've been teasing this all week, even though the, even if the comeback crew doesn't realize we've been teasing him, we've been telling you to bookie it for like what feels like a week and a half now. Um, bookie Radley Hiles, Brendan Radley Hiles at the University of Washington. There, uh, it was a transfer at the University of Washington. TCZ, you've been around a while. You know we love ourselves some University of Washington corners. 
That secondary is highly intelligent. Uh, Boogie Radley, I'll say it, is phenomenal. Uh, the speed at which he plays, the level of IQ at which he plays, how well and quickly he diagnoses, gets downhill, and makes plays on the football or on, on guys in space is absolutely incredible. I love everything that I watch on film, and the fact that he's not even ranked on most mock draft boards and most mock draft sites is screaming to me, undrafted free agent home run, a guy that you don't have to worry about teaching the, the IQ aspect of the game and how to prepare. This is a guy who, who, who they, they talked about and raved about at the University of Washington, his film study and how he prepares for games, how he prepares for, how he prepares for his opponents. His IQ is off the charts. His intensity and tenacity, which he plays, is off the charts. And this is a guy who makes plays. Yeah. I mean, the first time I saw a film about him, I couldn't wait to tell you. I mean, I just Literally. Uh, this, this guy was one of those guys that jumped off the screen. He, he's, a, he's a special type of player. And um, I don't know if we're the only ones that see it or what it is. Maybe this is one of those things we're looking through a tunnel. I don't know. Um, but this guy has some elite traits that just jump off the jump off the board for sure. Could it be the overshadowing of by by Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon because you have two standout guys there on the perimeter that you know what he does just is overlooked because as well it's easy for it to look good when you got those two guys around you. Yeah, and I think because he transferred in and he wasn't at Washington very long, I don't think you know maybe they see him the same way. I don't think he played as many snaps. He wasn't a guy that played as many snaps as as uh, McDuffie, you know, and Kyler Gordon. So I think that. He's kind of flying under the radar, and I'm hoping he flies straight into the 49ers, you know, 90-man roster because I think he could have a potential to make this team as a nickel corner. That's how good he is. Uh, this guy is one of those special ones. In fact, I like him more than Jack Jones that I just talked about, and everyone knows Jack Jones is a pretty good football player, uh, but he's exciting. And the fact that no one's talking him uh, makes me think a lot of times, like, are we sure he's even coming out in the draft? Because it, it's one of those things where it's like, I haven't seen him going back to Washington. I haven't seen that. I've seen that he declared for the draft, but since then it's basically been silence. Uh, it's, it's all quiet in the Washington front, and I don't know what's going on there. Um, but if he's for sure in the draft, I mean, this is a guy that I would, I'd be willing to draft. That's how good he is. And potentially he's going to be an undrafted free agent. Right. Um, and it's, it's just an interesting situation because you just don't, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around why. Yeah. Right? You and I, you watched the film. You, you pointed me in that direction. I started watching film and you and I were drawing the same conclusions. Special talent, high IQ, pops on film stands out just as much as the other two gentlemen on the outside around him. And, and it's like, how do, how do these two guys get hit on so hard? Where one of them is going to be potentially a top 15 pick. One of them's probably going in. The other one's probably going in the top 50. And this guy's not even on boards or radars. How can, how is that? Like, how can that be? And you know what? As much as I can't fathom why, please let it be <laughs> let it be let it happen because you're not wrong and this is a guy who could slide onto the 53-man roster from an undrafted position yeah he, he has that kind of potential and i mean if you're looking for another guy that thumps when he hits this guy's hit um this guy's one of one of my favorite guys to watch uh in, in all the draft prospects he was one of the, my favorite ones to watch and we know how i've been feeling about these nickel corners that can go up and pop you the same with damari mathis he can come up and light you up uh, but I think Mathis is going to go high enough. I don't need to talk about him in this episode, which is kind of nice. One guy, though, Alex, that we're not sure um, where he's going to land. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about him because depending on who you are, this guy's either a second or seventh round pick. Um, I guess what convenience store you walk out of. You just don't know. But <laughs> Jalen Armour Davis, six yes. foot one, 192 pounds from Alabama. Um, all the things I saw on film was, you know, nice instincts, uh, really good at, at zone coverage, understanding what his job was, being able to press on the football. 
I didn't see the problems. And I, I know that Job was getting some attention opposite of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Jalen Armour Davis is the better guy. And I actually believe Jalen Armour Davis has a potential to play nickel corner or on the outside. That versatility might be just what the doctor ordered. Uh, the 6 1 thing makes you think maybe he's just on the edge of what the 49ers would look for in a corner. Possibly. They've been going six you know, foot and, and lower. But this guy's change of the direction, change of direction doesn't look like a 6'2 plus guy where he labors to get in and out of his breaks, um, be able to get the 45 degree angle with his foot and press on the ball. That hasn't been something I've seen that's a struggle. I would give this guy around a late second, early third round grade. I liked him a lot. So I think he would be a, a steal if he starts to trickle you know, into the late third, early fourth round. Correct. I mean, a lot of places have him mocked very close to Tariq Castro Fields out of uh, Penn State, who's another guy that I, I really like, but not as much as Jalen Armour Davis. Yeah. And when I was watching film, there's there's stark differences in terms of the level of play um, and what Jalen Armour Davis does. Um, and I remember I, I told you the first couple of times I watched film, I was struggling to find him on the football field, Jalen Armour Davis, because I was looking for other people and I was trying to like pick and choose the spots. Like there were games where he was used sparingly, but when he's on the football field and when he was there, it is lockdown. Yeah, it is lockdown city. This guy handles his business. Um, it is a it is a wonderful situation there. And and the Freddie Mac Dre just said J J A D Jalen Armour Davis is steal at one thirty four. I feel that way. I feel at 134, you've just got incredible value there for for a guy like this. And just recently, right, we, we've seen PFF start to move him up and put him in kind of that top 100 range of players. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be going there. It doesn't necessarily mean that teams are going to value that or look at it yeah. the same way. Um, you know, th- things change and shift and move around for a reason. But this is a guy who's extremely well-developed there at, at the University of Alabama that played at a very high level. And, and when you watch the film, Josh Job had some nice situations and nice plays there for them, but consistently the guy who gets beaten at secondary is Job. Job is the one that's giving up big plays. Jalen Armour Davis is locking down uh, his man, his responsibility in space, uh, and was the anything but um, sort of a, a the steady hand in that secondary for that that Alabama defense. Yeah, and Jay always says he's climbing boards. He, he definitely is, um, and that, and I think that this is just one of those things I had to touch on because. Alex, way, way, way back when we started breakdowns, uh, Jalen Armour Davis is one of those guys that was in the six, fifth, sixth round of boards that we were looking at, and we were very high on him. So I'm going to stay consistent on him. Uh, just because everyone else is just figuring it out, um, we're going to go ahead and keep him on one of these draft gym uh, videos. Fair. But you're right, Jalen. He, he is going up in a big way. Um, another guy that is a nickel corner potential guy, as you can see, the 49ers definitely need a, a nickel corner. So we're paying attention to the nickel corner? I, I know I am, and I, I'm, I'm sure you are as well. Um, and that's Mikhail Wright, uh, 5'10", 173 pounds out of Oregon. Uh, this is a guy we talked about on our cornerback video. I really like his elite speed. Um, explosive kickoff return ability. This is a guy that can take it to the house at any time. I love that. I love adding that. And then he has man coverage skills. Uh, what have we been talking about with K1 Williams in the slot? Getting beat on that deep fade route. That doesn't happen to Michael Wright because of the elite speed, being able to stay over the top and then match man man on man uh, with a slot corner. We've got Cooper Cup. We've got Tyler Lockett. Um, you got to be able to do that. So I really like him a lot. Um, the only questions for him is his weight. Uh, at 173 pounds, the same thing with Jack Jones. You're worried about weight overall, uh, but potentially this guy could be a nice bang-up prospect. And we know the 49ers just got Diameter Lenore last year out of Oregon. What do they always do? They always watch film and end up getting somebody that's a teammate. Uh, we know this is something that they do. Potentially, Mikel Wright would be a nice fit for the Niners. 
Uh, you're you're right. Uh, this is 100% something and, and definitely a name that 49ers fans need to be keeping an eye on because uh, 49ers have gone late round cornerback at, from the University of Oregon in the past. They just did it most recently. Yeah. Um, you know, Eric Armstead is a is an U of O alum who just got done coaching at the University U of O in their in their spring football game, which means he was probably in there. He was talking with coaches about stuff and uh, who knows? Maybe the Niners sent him with a couple of questions about a couple of prospects to said coaches to get some more information. But look, Mike, Michael Wright, everything that he does on film too is wonderful. And this is something we talked about last year as well, leading into it. There's a handful of schools and where the guys, when you watch the film, you can tell that they're coached up in a, in a very, very big way. And if you're a, an NFL team and you're a secondary coach and you're looking at a guy who maybe has some skill sets and things and maybe some technique stuff that needs to get cleaned up. When you have technique stuff that needs to get cleaned up and you have IQ things that need to get cleaned up, things you need to learn, your learning curve is huge. There's only so much you can get done in so much time. But when you only have one area or one thing, one focus level, right, one thing that you need to be focusing on and keeping your mind on, well, it becomes a lot easier to get said person coached up. Uh, the nice thing with, with the University of Oregon prospects, and is IQ level is up to, up to snuff. They know what's going on. They have a very good idea of how to play in space, where to be. Um, and we saw that last year with Diamond Lenore. He came in, and for the most part, very early on, he was serviceable, right? Yes, teams were able to scheme some things up and put him in some situations where maybe he wasn't completely familiar with responsibility and how to execute. But for the most part, early in the season, he held up. He did the things he needed to do. And that's because there's less of a, of a learning curve, less of a development curve in terms of understanding the game. They can come in and have a base understanding already. U of O prospects tend to do that, and Michael Wright shows it on film as well. Yeah, he does. And, you know, John Miller Lenore came into camp last year, and they played him on the outside. They sure. did not put him in the nickel uh, corner spot early on. So um, maybe they are still visioning, envisioning him playing on the outside. Maybe that's something they're going to do. And if they are, they're going to need nickel corners. We know they do need a starter. Michael Wright's one of those guys with the elite talent. Um, but, you know, Jay Ellie's right. You know, my guy, um, Damari Mathis, is flying up boards True. right now. Uh, every day it feels like you you turn on the, you know, the the – the boards and the mock draft simulators, and he's just closer and closer, um, you know, to a first round or to a second round talent. I think by the time the draft comes, Damari Davis, um, he's for sure going to be gone in the second round. But I think at some point he's going to get all the way up there in the top sixty picks. I really do. Uh, I see that elite, you know, caliber of player. I think he's K one Williams with some thump to him. Uh, he, he's a he's a he's a big time player. He gets after it. My only arguments with him is Ben Hansy. He gets a little bit too handy and grabs a little bit, and that's something that could catch up to him in the NFL where it's a you know, a little bit more scrutinized, but uh, yeah, that him and Jalen Armour Davis are on the on the fast, you know, fast pace, uh, getting up there into the second round. Skyrockets in flight. That's right. That's <laughs> all, right. The way, all the way to the moon. And look, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step back. I'm gonna go back towards edge because I almost forgot it. Ooh, I almost forgot my boy out of Fresno State. Ant. Oh, nice. Yeah, my, my gentleman Aaron Mosby out of Fresno State. Who, the very first time that I watched film, I was actually watching film on Andrew Ogletree. In, a, in one of the Shrine Bowl games. I think it was the Anai versus, I, I forget what the, the Aki versus the, the Noai. I, I believe that was in the Shrine Bowl. I believe that was the Hawaii, a uh, Hula Bowl. Or the Hula Bowl. Right? There yeah, it is. There you go. There yeah. it was, the Hula Bowl. So I'm watching the Hula Bowl, and I'm, I'm looking at Andrew Ogletree because I'd watched some film of him at Youngstown State. I wanted to see him against other, you know, Division One level caliber players. An offensive and, gym, by the yeah, way. Yeah, offensive gym. He was in the offensive gym. I'm watching, I'm watching the film, and there's this D end who's got some active hands. He's got some good dip and some bend and extremely high motor and yeah. he's getting through and he's hitting the quarterback. He's sacking the quarterback. He's tackling for guys for loss consistently. And I'm like, dude, who is that guy? Like, is this a DN that I've already watched that I'm just like, like starting to fall in love with? Who is this? Oh, that's a uh, Mosby from Fresno state. Who? 
started to go back, start watching Fresno State film, and good golly almighty ant. I don't know how this guy is ranked undrafted, 500s, 400s, 350s. How, how are you so far down boards? Because he's got the size, he's got the measurables at 6'4". He's got the speed at 471. Is it blazing speed? No. Is it fast enough as a DN? Yes. And when you watch his film, the strength is the first step. The way he gets off, the way he gets his hands active in space. Yeah. This is a guy who gets after it. Forced a lot of turnovers, a lot of first fumbles at his time at Fresno State. A lot. Whether it was versus the run or quarterbacks completely unaware of the fact that he's absolutely ate a left tackle or ate the right tackle and embarrassed them. This guy has more like sack fumbles. Uh, I, I watched more sack fumbles in the last two years of Aaron Mosby than some prospects that I'm absolutely in love with that are going in the, in the top, you know, 150 of this draft. I don't know how this guy isn't higher on boards. I don't think this guy should be like as high as a top 100 prospect, but I look at everything already in the tools that he already possesses. And I sit there and go a team like San Francisco, like a team like San Francisco, this is the dude. This is the type of dude that you're looking for. He does a lot of those things already. He does a lot of the things that, you, that you're looking for. His skill sets are already honed and developed. Is he a top-end blazer? No, he's not the top-end blazer. He's not necessarily the guy that you're relying on to be opposite of Nick Bosa every pass rate. He's not necessarily the closer guy. It's not his role, but he could fit already into the role and into the mold of what we've seen out of an Arden Key already, what we've seen out of a Jordan Willis and a Charles Amenehu, and I don't think he would miss a beat. Now, the only question is, is I don't know if he can beat those guys out right now. I think those guys are more fine-tuned, ready prospect than an Aaron Mosby is. But if it's a done draft of free agent, you can sneak this guy into your practice squad. No problems, no questions asked. Yeah, before I talk about Mosby, because I you did tip it off. Um, Eric Dane saying he's glad I wasn't holding out for a bigger contract by not being on last night's show. Uh, and and then, yeah, I'm not pulling a Debo. No, um, there, there will be no video of me out at the club last night. You know, pulling some, any of this. None of the cup. Uh, we don't want the cup. Yeah, n- none of that. But no, when you when you brought up Mosby to me, I think it was earlier last week. Um, he was a he was a player that was exciting to watch because I hadn't seen any film on him. I wasn't very you know in tune with what he was doing, but he looked really good coming off the edge. And you're right, he just he showed a lot of speed to strength ratio. That was nice. He had good hands. He had good technique. And in fact, it made me sit up in my seat and go, "Ooh, okay." Um, he's an exciting prospect. I think something that does confuse people is how he spells his name: um, A R R, not a, not A A Ron, but A R R O N. Uh, that can be a little bit of confusion. R Ron. It's it's definitely Aaron, but just spelled differently. But I think I was just making it fun. But anyways, when it comes down to this guy, he's a very good player. You're right. Um, somebody that if you can get late in this draft, I believe he has potential to be a three down defensive end. He needs some development. He does need to work on a little bit of the uh, setting the edge and those sort of things. But as a developmental prospect, this guy's a, a big home run potentially. Um, he could be a gem. And uh, I think he's a very good player. And that was a nice find by you. Thank I did not watch a whole lot of Fresno State football, but um, his his film has been exciting to watch from what I've saw so far. And I'm actually going to probably watch more before the draft. So that way, just in case... Because we all know San Francisco, you know, right here in California. What what else is there? Fresno State. So I'm sure they have a really good idea of who this guy is and and what he's about. Uh, very good. Uh, JLA just said, was he at the local pro day? I don't believe he was. Yeah, I don't think he was. If I remember right, I thought I heard he he went to another pro day that day. So oh maybe he wasn't there. Uh, so no, yeah, it was not holding out for the bigger contract. No. He didn't scrub his Instagram account. Uh, everything is fine. Yeah. Uh, to be to be determined on the Instagram account. I guess I would have to post on my Instagram account for me to be able to scrub it. Fair. Yeah. That would also apply to 
me as well. So yeah. Yeah, right right now, my Instagram, the last two posts are about the draft party. So there you go. Beautiful. Yeah. It's the only thing that matters. Ed is posting about the draft party, which is April 29th, uh, 4 to 8 p.m. Uh, this this Friday, TCC. Well done. This Friday. So well make sure done. you're there. Uh, who's next up on your list, Andrew? Who's well, the next guy? I mean, at? if you're going to draft crushes, I have to go to my draft crush, and that's Kobe McLean, five foot eleven, two hundred twenty-eight pounds out of Auburn. Uh, everything about this guy screams big-time football player. He flies around. He's a thumper, as I like to say. Um, he's a hitter, uh, sideline to sideline speed, and he has good feel and vision. Uh, I know he's 5'11", and that was the big argument. Apparently, that that really hindered Zach Thomas as well. Apparently, um, but Zacoby McLean is one of those guys that's a a you know an athlete. Uh, he flies around, he makes tackles, and he's a good tackler. I really liked him a lot. He was one of my favorite linebackers, if not my favorite linebacker in the draft. I think if he had the elite size and speed, we would be talking about him being a first round pick. Uh, because I got you know the similar vision and things that we got from Zayvon Collins last year. We get with Zacoby McLean just in a smaller version. Uh, Zayvon had all the size and ability, uh, and Jacoby doesn't have that. But I really like him. The only concern I have with him, and this is something I've I've seen with a lot of linebackers, especially coming out of college, is the way that they shed their blocks. Um, he is an avoidance linebacker. He likes to avoid the blocker and try to make the tackle. That does work for the most part, but every once in a while you have to shed a block, and that's something he could get better at. Uh, but to me, this guy is not a fifth or sixth round prospect. This guy is a a you know top three round prospect. I, I agree with you on this, and in fact, I, w- I just watched someone today, uh, a prominent YouTuber, I'm blanking on the channel name right now, but they were breaking, they broke down their linebackers, Ant, and they actually had him in Tier 4, uh, for, which for them, which are, you know, immediate special team impact guys um, who maybe can develop into something but need a lot of work. Uh, and he got to some Kobe McClain, and he goes, it's weird, I put this guy here in this list, but of all of the names that we've talked about in the last two tiers, he goes, this one might actually be the closest to being a ready-to-go, could potentially make it, make or break a lineup in the next year or two and start type linebacker. There's just questions about size, questions about speed, questioning about ability to handle the physical the physicality at the level of the NFL uh, and get off of blocks. And I'm sitting there going, but, but if those are the concerns and he's still close, wouldn't you put him higher, not lower? But apparently this is a hiccup. It's a bugaboo for people. I don't understand it because you're right. Yeah. He's a thumper. Yeah, people get stuck on size too much. Um, but physical size and stature doesn't dictate how you play on the field. I mean, people can play bigger than their stature. We talk about this all the time with receivers as well. Uh, you, you, you are only hindered by your own ability to get done what you want to get done. And then these guys play with, you know, beyond their physical size speed um this is just something that this guy does really well this guy's a big time player i honestly believe if the 49ers drafted him that one year behind aziz alshire and trey greenlaw he'd be not only flashing on special teams but would be able to step in the next year and do a very very good job i i like him a lot he's one of my favorite guys in the draft for sure and if he goes to the rams seahawks or cardinals uh i'm gonna be very frustrated uh yeah and uh frustrated is probably an understatement my guy yeah frustrated is definitely gonna be an understatement and uh garish thank you so much he said best dang sports show period oh thank you appreciate that so we appreciate that love man we do uh next guy for me you know he's not wrong my guy he's not wrong my guy uh next next one for me Ant. out of uh benedict college ooh, 6'2 310 pound defensive tackle wendell Bing. This is a guy who had some some big offers, had some big uh, Division One offers, and but decided to go to a little bit smaller school. Um, he played at C. A. Johnson High School in Columbia, South Carolina. 
I think he did have a, a scholarship offer to uh, South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. I, I may be wrong on that. Um, but here is the thing that I really like of said gentleman. The 6-2-3-10 frame, and some people may think smaller because he does play a little bit more closer to a three technique right now at the college level. He played three technique at times, played a little bit nose as well. Maybe maybe you need a little bit more size than the 6-2-3-10 frame. You can add some weight in order to get yourself a stronger, but incredible motor, incredible hustle extremely polished hand technique for someone playing at a small school and we usually don't think of someone with polished technique he doesn't dominate necessarily with power he dominates with the first step when i watch his first step on film i sit there and go oh my this is getting this is giving me dj jones-esque first step vibes it's not the same as dj jones and but it gives me those same types of vibes this guy right now is mostly used and utilized in the run game but had a lot of success getting after and forcing quarterback pressures. Most quarterback pressures actually in school history under this gentleman, uh, Wendell Bing. Phenomenal talent, not on anyone's... I, haven't, I literally saw no one talking about this guy until I read one article who said, I just happened to stumble across him at the HBCU Pro Day and thought it was intriguing, liked his first step in his get-off in his 40 and was like, you know what? I'm going to watch some film on this gentleman. And then he compiled a whole list of film and a whole bunch of videos on it. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, the first step is explosive. No one's talking about it. The hand's nice, extremely high motor. Um, undrafted free agent gem, 100% absolutely. And someone I would definitely like the Niners to take a look at. Well, Wendell Bing, okay. I mean, we're, if we're going small school, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go with you. And I'm going to land on Isaiah Land. This is oh. the one we've been teasing for a while. It's true. Um, six foot four, 215 pounds from Florida A&M. Uh, he's an edge rusher at Florida A&M and a dynamic edge rusher with the speed to be able to close on quarterbacks and, you know, and run them down from behind. The question with him has been, is he an edge rusher, linebacker, or safety in the NFL Accurate. because of the 215-pound frame? What I look at this guy going late in the draft or potentially undrafted is, hey, it's a football player, a guy you can mold. Uh, in a similar way that you saw Amari Barno, that's how I see you know this guy in Isaiah Land. He has that potential. He's a football player, and he plays hard. Um, so I love this guy. I love his speed. I love his bend around the edge. I think he's a guy that could potentially develop into an edge rusher, especially if you have the time to let this guy develop. Guess what? You know what the 49ers have with all the ability around time to let a guy sit on the practice squad, develop and put on some size. This guy could put on, you know, 15 to 20 pounds. I think he could be an impact player in the league. Uh, agreed with you there, Ant. Uh, 100% agreed with you on that. And uh, look, I, I think the big thing too with Isaiah Land is when I watched, when I, when you showed me the film for the first time and I started watching it, I was like, why is this? Why does this school have a wide receiver playing defensive end? Why mm -hmm. Why don't you just go find yourself a natural D and why are you taking a, a, a wide receiver and putting him there? He's got a wide receiver build right now. He doesn't have the, the build of a, of a traditional and standard defensive end, including, I mean, Xavion Williams, the other guy from said school. Uh, same sort of thing. Very big size, Ant, 6'4", 290. Um, it, it, he's a little bit bigger in terms of the stature and size, but you don't look at either of those two gentlemen and are, are sitting there going, man, those look like traditional standard defensive ends. They don't even necessarily move like it at times. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of positive things from both those gentlemen at that school, but Isaiah Land is definitely the one that's most intriguing prospect right now just because of, of what he can do and I think what the Niners' needs are and what they would like to develop. This guy has all the, the tools and characteristics. He he just needs that that precious, valuable resource that is time. And if the Niners have time at any position right now, it's the D-line. Uh, this is a guy you could grab as an undrafted free agent. You could take on a, a flyer at the end of this draft, seventh round, and then just wait. Be patient. Take two years. Develop him. And then year three, figure out what he is and where he's at. And 
if he can be the guy you think he can be. And, and in all honesty, uh, if there are two coaches on the staff that I trust as much, if not more, than Kyle Shanahan, it's Tap and it's Kaseric. They can do pretty much anything you need them to do with the pieces that you give them. Well, I guess there's also D'Amico Ryan. You know what, Ant? There's basically the entire coaching staff is what it feels like. No, it is because, right, if they moved him to safety, you have the faith in Sorensen being able to turn this guy into a player. If he goes to linebacker, you have the faith D'Amico Ryan's could develop him. We've seen him do it before. And then if he's on the line, you got Daryl Tapp and you got Chris Kaseric. But with his technique and the way that he's able to play, I think it's more a size thing than it is an actual skills thing. So I think this is one of those things where they could develop him for sure in the weight room. I'm guessing by the time he gets drafted, he's going to be 225 pounds plus anyways. This guy's not going to be that far off. I think one year sitting and learning uh, potentially on the practice squad, and this guy could be you know, a guy that's coming on. And we've seen them do this with Alex Barrett, and this guy has more physical gifts than Alex Barrett does. Very true. Uh, very true. And baby Darius, I'm typing this out now for you uh, as well. Uh, but the, the list of players itself... We will post in the description. I will have that all in there after this video uh, is done. So when this video goes live for people who missed the live stream, um, there will be a list of all these players so that you can, on your own time, go research and look, and you don't have to scroll back and look. You can just look in the description section. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of players you're going to want to delve into their film. Another guy potentially is another linebacker, and he was a star player for me. And um, it's it's Micah Mc, or Michael McFadden, right? Micah McFadden, 6'1", 240 pounds out of Indiana, um, instinctive and in run fits. Uh, he tracks short and immediate pass routes at a high rate. Um, he's really good at tracking the run as well and tracking down players. He was somebody that I really liked, and he was a step down from Zacoby McLean, but I thought a very good player that I thought could play all three positions in the NFL. Um, so both of those guys were huge prospects for me. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of, I, I think John Lynch is right. There's a lot of talent all throughout this draft, and there's some real gems. And I know a lot of people have been saying to me, like, we don't need a linebacker. But I see potentially you have Aziz Alshire, who did sign officially um, his one-year tender. I know you, you broke that last night. Um, and then also you have uh, Dre Greenlaw in the last year of the contract. The realis realistic point of this is one of them is going to be here and one of them is going to be gone. You're going to need a linebacker to fill that role. Is it going to be is, is it going to be Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, or you want to draft a guy to develop this year to be able to step right in and take over when one of those guys leave? I think it's the latter. You want one of those guys to step in and take over in case one of them leave or you trade one of them away. Uh, so the Niners are going to probably address linebacker in this draft, even though it's one of the immense strengths of their football team. Uh, very, very true, Ant. Extremely true. Um, and in fact, the uh, you know it's funny that McFadden. When you brought him up to me initially, I hadn't watched any film. I hadn't looked at all at him at, all, at even a smidge of a little bit. I started watching film, and late at night one night, I'm watching some film, sitting there, not able to sleep, taking it out, and starting to dig what I'm seeing. I'm like, all right, all right, yeah, this is okay, all right, mm, I like this. And Megan rolls over at one point, looks at me, you're still up. I'm like, yeah, she's like, what are you, who are you watching? I'm like, oh, this McFadden guy out of. Uh, out of Indiana University, IU, and she goes, IU's got a good enough player that's going to be going in the draft, and I was like, wow, burn. That's her alma mater. That's that's a sick burn right there. Uh, that's what it feels like with the IU program, right? You don't typically take all the prospects that come out of those areas seriously because, I mean, the, the program hasn't been extremely competitive uh, in the past, you know, decade or even longer than that, uh, and you just don't know what the, what those players are going to pan out. You don't necessarily always get a good look at what they are either because they're not necessarily playing with top-end talent around them, and so they're having to potentially cover for other people. But you're right. A, a lot of this, the stuff he does on film is is exciting. I, I do like it, and there's a lot of possibility there, and you're right. Linebacker is something that you need to address either now 
or later. And if it's later, then you have to get a more polished prospect. And if it's now, you can take some chances. Yeah, I mean, if these guys are going to be slotted where they are, though, uh, McFadden, Zakomi McLean in the fifth round, uh, Dre Greenlaw, fifth round. I mean, this is potentially when you could grab one of those players um, that's going to be able to fit that role. And maybe it's because it's a size or speed reason that they're not going as high up as they should. But both these guys have a lot of talent. Um, so I'm excited about what the Foreigners could do in this draft. Uh, very true. Eric Dane said, what's going on with uh, Marcel Harris moving to linebacker? Marcel Harris signed with the Jets. Yeah, Marcel Harris uh, is officially signed with the Jets, so he's gone. The Foreigners won't have him back in the room. Uh, so, I mean, potentially they do have another slot there to be filled as a special teams guy. I know they did sign a linebacker in free agency. True. Um, but, I, I'm, I mean, they're definitely not done addressing this. And the guys we talked about, McFadden and McLean at the linebacker position, are both guys that would make an impact on special teams right away. Uh, very true, Hint. Uh, very true. Uh, I do have one more cornerback prospect that I want to talk about. I think this is probably the last guy that's on my list, if I remember correctly. Um, it's a cornerback out of Fayetteville State, Joshua Williams. The only reason is the 6'2 size tends to fit the, the mold a little bit more of what the Niners are looking for in terms of size of the cornerback spot. At the Senior Bowl, he clocked in at 21.75 miles per hour. And people were like, oh, this is fast gentleman we got to keep start keeping an eye on him and then at the combine he ran a four four six and people were a little disappointed and a little down even though uh, last time i checked in four four six is still pretty still pretty fast um he's also a guy that i don't know if he's necessarily going to go higher in this draft I, i'm not i'm not 100 sure i know there's some people that really like him there's a lot of people who have questions on him i think he has freakish athletic ability and i know in high school he used to play wide receiver so i know there's definitely some wiggle and a little bit of oomph there um it's going to be an interesting prospect to keep an eye on there you go. I, I like that. And yeah, Jay Elliott talked, the linebacker I was referring to is Orrin, Orrin Burks. Uh, oh, came yes. over from the Green Bay Orrin Packers. Um, special teams, you know, ace. Uh, but the 40-yards are definitely looking there. Now, they have two linebackers right now that are special teams aces behind the starters. They had lost to Zizal Shire as a special teams ace because when you're a starting linebacker, you usually don't play as much special teams. That's fair. Um, but they're definitely going to bring in one, potentially two linebackers to be able to compete with those guys. And we've seen before them bring in special teams ace at linebacker, and then those guys not make the roster because somebody else is better. Um, so the Foreigners are going to address the linebacker room. I, I have a really strong feeling about that. I, I would agree with you there. It does feel like this is the time where the Niners should do it, especially with everything that's going on and everything that has happened um, with this team in terms of how they've built out this team, how they've addressed certain positions. Um, they tend to address things a little earlier, a year earlier than anticipated. So even though, linebacker is not a position of traditional need in terms of what the Niners or what fans think. Um, this feels like the year they're going to strike, try at least try and strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, exactly. And if you have any questions, you know, we'll do a quick Q and a here. Um, you know, put your questions in there. We'll, we'll cover it for like, you know, five or so minutes. Uh, so if you have something, let us know. It could be about these prospects or something else. But uh, if you want to talk about these prospects or, you know, guys that you guys have seen, cause uh, some people have found guys that I've never heard of. Accurate. I, I'm looking forward to it. It's true. Uh, they definitely find people that I've never heard of. I mean, we had a gentleman earlier, Ant, who, who brought up, uh, oh gosh, why am I blanking on the name now? Uh, why, why am I blanking on the name? Because I, I didn't expect uh, to see a said person or, or even think about it. I, I'm blanking right now, but TCC, you'll, you'll let me know. Yeah. Uh, Jaley just said Monteric Brown, cornerback out of Arkansas. Yeah, you know what? I don't know. I don't even know who that is. I know who it is, but I haven't watched enough. Film. You know what? There is a there is also a guy. Um, I I believe I didn't write him on my I didn't write him on my actual list here. Um, and that is Greg Johnson, cornerback from USC. Oh, uh, he's a, he's a nickel corner, and yes. I, I liked him a lot. And I I went back and looked at my list right now, and he's somebody that I was definitely interested in. 
Um, so that is, a, that is a guy also to keep an eye on in the late rounds as a potential guy the Niners can draft. Uh, similar size, you know, it's the 5'10", 5'11", 185-pound guy. Um, but he, he can definitely get it done and, and somebody that's interesting to watch. And I watched him cover some guys that are in the NFL now, and he, he held his own. So um, he was somebody to watch as a late-round guy. Uh, very, very true indeed. So look, Monteric Brown, uh, Jordan Birdie, Freddie Mac, thank you. Jordan Birdie. Oh, there we go. It was brought up earlier. Um, Monteric Brown, JLE, not a name that I've watched a lot of film on, but I am aware of him. Uh, haven't watched enough to, I guess, make me fall in love or even like fully remember. Yeah. Uh, someone, and- someone had just asked who Draco asked, who have they met with? That's a good chance. That's a good chance of, of knowing who we'll draft. Um, I have a list, Ant. Okay. One second, because Go someone ahead. else brought up Qaddafi Wright as well. Oh. Earlier in chat, and I had looked it up. Qaddafi writes a linebacker, 6'3", 230 pounds, out of Richmond, Virginia. Um, and Ooh. I was trying to see what school. He, oh, he went to Buffalo. Uh, so that's somebody that I'm looking forward to checking out as well, is Qaddafi Wright. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to put that on the list as well. So, tracker. Here we go. Houston cornerback Marcus Jones. Maryland chi- tight end. A Chagosium Aconquo. And a shocking development. I man. really like Aconquo. <laughs> I'm telling you, I really like him. He's not my favorite tight end, but I really like him. Agreed. Uh, Stanford defensive lineman Thomas Booker. That's a recent one. Uh, Chattanooga center Cole Strange. Uh, UAB edge rusher Alex Wright. There's that. Yeah. Uh, Montana state linebacker Troy Anderson in a shocking turn of events. And, As a tight end. Uh, uh, Nebraska center Cam Jurgens. Uh, Florida right tackle Gene DeLance. Minnesota edge rusher Boy Moffey. Texas A&M safety Leon O'Neal. Illinois safety Kirby Johnson. Uh, Christian Watson. Miami of Ohio defensive lineman Dominique Robinson, Cincinnati edge rusher Myjai Sanders, USC edge rusher Drake Jackson, Rutgers wide receiver Bo Melton, Georgia running back James Cook, Baylor cornerback Kalen Barnes, another guy that we like a lot, and uh, Nebraska wide receiver Samori Torre. Yes, Samori Torre. SMU wide receiver Danny Gray, Western Kentucky edge rusher D'Angelo Malone, Cincinnati running back Jerome Ford, UCF's defensive tackle Kalia Davis, uh, Utah safety Vontae davis that was via zoom penn state safety jaquan brisker montana state quarterback trey webb uh arizona state cornerback chase lucas unc running back ty chandler oklahoma state running back jalen warren and memphis offensive lineman dylan parham there are also a few other names the team's been linked to um arizona state's rashad white san diego state tight end daniel bellinger but the team has not confirmed whether or not they spoke with said players yeah and the thing is, we always have to remember along the way uh, that the 49ers do draft players that they don't meet with. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, they said hi to at the Combine when they before they drafted him. He <laughs> said they literally spoke to him for two minutes, and then they selected him. So he was surprised when they called. So sometimes you don't talk to certain people you're really excited about if you have a good feeling about who they are as a person because you don't want to tip anyone's hand at what you're trying to do. So I think sometimes these names give you an idea you know, of, of who they're looking at. Um, and then sometimes I think they are a little bit of a smokescreen in a misdirection. Uh, so I think the 49ers are very, very good at that. And I'm curious to see if they do end up drafting any of these guys. Because some of the names I really like, I liked Cole Strange, I liked hearing Dylan Parham. Um, those those guys are, are good prospects. But we also heard, you know, names that were players that are going to go in the first round that the Niners have no shot at. Uh, so I, I think that's interesting as well. But Ant, couldn't that just mean that the Niners are in fact planning to trade Debo Samuel? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, um, I think that there's, these are guys they potentially think could fall out of the first round. And you got to be, you know, you're able to go up and get somebody if you want. So 
Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the Debo Samuel situation. I think he wants to get paid. I think the 49ers want to pay him. And anytime you have two people that are motivated to make something happen, usually you can find a way to get it done. And I think that it's about business. And um, as long as it never gets personal and it's just about business, I think they'll get it done. And if if it comes down to a point where the 49ers don't believe that they can ever come to a you know conc- conclusion that works for both parties, um, then they'll they'll seek a potential trade. But uh, right now, I don't think that's the way. And I don't I don't expect him to get traded on Thursday. If he did, uh, it, would, it would be shocking. But um, it's something you would just have to respond to. But we'll see. We are. We are going to see Ant, uh, JLA giving some laughing, crying faces. I'm going to assume, JLA, it's because Restream is over here talking about how they've received 100 messages in chat today and no one likes to show off Restream. So knock that off. I knock that off. Paul Sanders, I don't think we're going to need first-round picks for Debo because I think he's staying home after listening to Lynch today. Paul, I'm glad that you feel that way because I thought we got a whole lot of nothing from John Lynch today. Yeah, I mean, I think John Lynch, you know, he said the kind of the company line, right, that, that he didn't want to talk about the situation. He knows everyone wants to know, um, but he he can't envision in a situation where they would trade Debo Samuel for what he means to the team, and that's where the King's Ransom thing comes in. Um, somebody would have to absolutely blow their socks off to believe that it's a franchise-changing type trade for them to potentially move off from this piece. That's how much they value him. Um, you don't just lose your queen in a chessboard for no reason. Uh, you better be getting something back, something that you believe can be an equivalent to a you know a queen to win the game. So I think that's what they look at, and they see so much value in Debo Samuel. So it's going to take a lot. And people that have been throwing out the 10 pick, I think it's going to take a lot more than just the 10 pick to get it done. No, the 10 pick's not even close to enough. Yeah. And I'm seeing a lot of people talking about how the 10 pick, if, it's, if the 10 pick's on the table, then you just get it done because you can't get pick 10 you know, no other team is going to be able to offer you potentially that high of a pick and, and potentially more things as well. Um, that's not a King's Ransom. A King's I'll, Ransom isn't one pick. I'll be honest. After seeing what's been going on on 49ers Twitter over the past, like, week or so, and even, you know, earlier on with the way they were w- willing to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, it really made me want to have to barter with these people. Um, they were willing to take anything. They would have they given me great pieces. Like, if we'd have been doing cards, right, like trading cards, could you imagine the haul I would have gotten for, like, a Joe Montana? They were just... Oh, I got two of them. I'm just willing to get rid of it. Give me a Happy Meal, and I would have ended up with like a you know a hundred dollar card. Um, that's kind of how it is. And those are the type of people that you could have traded like a holographic Mewtwo for a holographic Charizard back in the day, and you'd be sitting with a ten million dollar Pokemon card. If I had any idea what you were talking about, I would be able to you know understand. I, I, you want to know why I'm talking about it? Because guess who had a Pokemon card collection growing up? Guess I'm, gu- I'm guessing you. Guess and guess who had every holographic starter? This guy. And their evolution series. It got stolen. Someone stole a Gen 1 holographic Charizard from me. And I could be a millionaire right now. Yeah, well, you're you're not. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> selling Ooh, selling. yeah, selling Pogs for Pokemon. Well oh, done, JLE. Ooh. I was a Pogger as well. I did have Pogs. Pogs, Pogs, were, Pogs were nice. Um, was there any more questions? Uh, what is Ant's definition of a King's Ransom? Asked JL. Um, you know, I, I saw what you guys were putting in chat last night, you know, and I, I think a King's Ransom, for me, I don't put as much value on draft picks as everyone else. I want players that can add, you know, impact. I want proven commodities. So I would need to get at least two proven commodities and then draft picks on top of that. So um, if you were telling me that the Washington football team, for instance, wanted to give me Antonio Gibson, Scary Terry, uh, Terry McLaurin, and a first round pick, uh, then I, then I'm then I'm in business. If you told me that the Pittsburgh Steelers wanted to give me Najee Harris, Chase Claypool, and another pick, uh, then we're in business. I, I think if if you're looking at that, if the Cowboys wanted to send me you know some of their big time players. Uh, potentially then we're in business, but it's going to take a lot 
because I know I have to be able to make up the production I'm going to lose from Debo Samuel and the versatility. And for me, it's going to take multiple players to do that. And I don't see someone in the draft that's going to be able to do what Debo Samuel can do. I agree with you there. And, and the other thing I want to add on to that, well, not even add on to that, but I guess I want to give you a chance to clar- not clarify on, but expand upon. Uh, Freddie Mac just said, would you take 1035 and a 2023 20, first or second for Debo if we can't patch things up with him? You just said it, right? Picks is not enough for you. I think I think you yeah. would be, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you would be more inclined to hold on to Debo for the next two years, let him play out his contract for the next two years, and then let him walk in free agency and get a, get a pick back from him walking as a, as a free agent, correct? Uh, what, what I would do is if I if I wanted, if I was, I thought I needed to trade him, number one, I'm not doing anything this year. He's on a rookie pay scale. If he won't sign the extension, I'm not trading him. Uh, so that's there's that. Then I franchise tag him after the year. Uh, then I know that anyone that wants to sign him away, if I make him exclusive rights, uh, they're going to give me two first round picks. So that's the starting point. That's at which I would do it. But you can also negotiate a trade at that point. You could potentially move on from him at that. But I think that makes it so it's two first round picks to get Debo Samuel. So you're getting at least that worth. Uh, that would be my starting point. But uh, right now, as a as a team, I wouldn't feel like there's any reason why I'd have to move off of them. I hold all the leverage. Um, so I understand why people are willing to take the deals, and those deals don't sound bad. Don't get me wrong. Um, but just because they don't sound bad doesn't mean they sound great either. Let's get the most we could potentially get for Debo. I, I like that there. Uh, two questions, Ant, and then we're going to wrap this thing up for the night. The first is Freddie Mac Dre just asked, Justin Jefferson, blank, plus picks, question mark? I like Justin Jefferson. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings are not going to move off Justin Jefferson. Agreed there. Um, I think if they would, I think you would be interested in getting a top flight receiver. I think he would fit what they do with Brandon Ayuk and, and you know and Trey Lance. So he would be a nice fit for any system. I just don't see them moving off him. They got their gym of wide receiver. Uh, they they made the move and they moved on Diggs and they got him. I, I don't see them making the move, but you potentially, yeah, that would be a trade I'd be interested in. I like it, um, but yeah, I, I like you here. I'm not, I don't know if that's something Minnesota is looking at in terms of this This fixes our problems, this does things for us. Um, I think they would like to be able to pair Debo with Jeff, Justin Jefferson more than move Justin Jefferson to get Debo Samuel. If Cleveland wouldn't have already traded, they would be somebody that would be interested in, in Debo Samuel, but they won't now because they, they made the move for uh, uh, Cowboys wide receiver. Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, thank you. Got you. Yeah. I got you. I almost went blank too there. Uh, Baby Darius, last question here of the night. What's the story behind Troy Anderson? So Troy Anderson is a guy who has played a lot of, well, not played. He's actually physically worn a lot of different hats at Montana State, whether it was quarterback, he's played some running back as well, and um, before moving in and transitioning into tight end, he's very new, raw to the position. You mean linebacker. Linebacker, excuse me. Did I say tight end? You did. I meant linebacker. Uh, linebacker, Ant, uh, sorry. I'm t- um, I like our, where your our, head's at. Our linebacker breakdown video is scrolling through my head right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 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 Troy Anderson is a guy who's very raw, new to the position of linebacker, um, shown a lot of promise, a lot of flash, a lot of positive things for someone who hasn't played the position very much. There's definitely some areas of improvement, but the intriguing thing about him is his versatility and, and, the, and the fact that this could be a guy that you could potentially utilize as a weapon on both sides of the football or at multiple positions. Yeah, I think it's where your value is. You know, if you see this guy as an offensive weapon or a defensive weapon, uh, he's a developmental linebacker. There's a lot of things that he needs to get better at. He's not great at run fits. He's more of a sideline to sideline guy right now. He's a little bit slower to read, but those are things he's going to develop as he gets more comfortable playing the position. Uh, so he's a guy that I don't see a second round talent on as a linebacker. I love the speed. I love the size. Um, I love the potential, but I don't have a second round grade on him. And so I think that I seen him as a potential tight end in the NFL. I seen him running the football and the things that he was doing in the open field. 
on film and i said okay that guy makes sense to me at tight end and already being you know six foot four with a 243 pound frame uh potentially means he could slide into tight end he's already got the physical stature and size and not afraid to play of contact because he plays linebacker and freddie mack you were correct the niners have already met with him so always a possibility Give us some more speed, said Donald Johnson, and, and you know what? All of those things are accurate. Cut Big time. TCC, we hope you enjoyed this uh, defensive gems breakdown. Let us know in the comment section down below if we missed any gems, if there are any names. We've already gotten a handful from the cutback crew tonight, so we got some more film to go watch and some more prospects to keep an eye on. But yeah, comment down below if there's even more. If you stumble across a guy between now and draft day that you want everyone to be prepared for, drop in the comment section. We'll watch the film. We'll let you know. Uh, and It'll be a lot of fun there, Ant. And then they don't want to miss tomorrow night. Fan-controlled mock draft 2.0, the finale of the fan-controlled mock draft, where you're going to make the picks, you're going to tell us what to do, and you're uh, you're on the clock, TCC. Yeah, exactly. Tomorrow at six o'clock, you're going to be making the selections. Um, so come through. La the last mock draft the fans did was absolutely fantastic. Um, some believe it was actually the best mock draft that's been done uh, the entire time. So uh, the can the fans duplicate? What will their ideas be on trades? Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the fan control mock draft. So everyone, make sure you're here at, at six o'clock and let your name or let your voice be heard. Oh uh, yeah, we want to hear from you. We want your voice to be heard, Ant. And then, wonderfully, the next day, Wednesday, Ant, the finale, the season finale of 49ers War Room with yours truly. Both of us. I said yours truly, and was like, how do how do I can transition to this? Uh, yours <laughs> truly, the two of us here, these yeah. two gentlemen on the screen, being the GMs and making the picks for the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers cutback, I guess, mock draft 1.0, but final, like final version. It's just the war room. Man. It's true. It is just the yeah. war room. Uh, and a wonderful 49ers war room aftermath, Ant, in which it is a call-in show. That's right, TCC. You're going to be able to call in on Zoom and talk with us about war room, the picks we just made, and what you're excited about heading into the draft on Thursday. But the only way you get to participate in that, Ant, the only way they're going to have the ability to participate in said call-in show is to be a channel member right here on YouTube or join us over on Patreon and then let your voice be heard. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to, we've had uh, people calling in uh, the last couple of times that we've did it. David Campbell uh, recently called in and we had a great conversation. Of course, KDR always does. Um, so it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to what everyone thinks about, you know, our war room and how we attack the draft, how we're able to work together um, because it's not about just who's picking at 61 or who's picking at 93. We've got to be able to work together you know, when when Alex is making the pick, I'm going to be his Adam Peters, you know, to his John Lynch. And then when I'm making the pick, I'm hoping that he's going to be the Adam Peters to my John Lynch. Gotcha. And we're going to have a nice fluid relationship so we can put together the best draft that we believe the 49ers can get. Sure. We don't want any John Harbaugh's and Trent Baalke situations going on. We don't want that. And yeah. we don't want drafting players that we can't do anything with that don't fit the scheme that aren't going to help the team move forward. So we're excited for that. We're excited for the fan controlled mock draft. And we're excited for the draft party. Tons of great content and great things coming your way, TCC. And the best way to be a part of all of it and to know what's going on is to make sure you're subscribed, hit that notification bell, like the video, share it with the rest of the faithful, uh, and we'll see what happens. And we'll see you uh, for all of the great content we got coming your way. And so much things, so many things happening uh, and an incredible time Friday. Yeah, can't wait for it. And um, DJ uh, Davidson, uh, JLE, solid player. We did break him down. Um, he's he's a good player and is going to go undrafted potentially that could be a guy that the 49ers could bring into camp. So there you go. There it is. TCC. This was a lot of fun. We enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for participating. And if you're watching this on replay, hopefully you like the names. We hope to hear more from you about some more names and we'll catch you for the fan controlled mock draft tomorrow night. And until that time, stay safe. And remember the right way is always the 49ers way.
all been building to this. We're the GMs. We make the selections. The San Francisco 49ers select. Special start time. Wednesday, 6 p.m. Season 1 finale.